0: it by listening to karaoke hour here in my car. but this is me in the middle of a life-changing event. I'm about to cross the North Carolina Virginia line. This is I don't care I gotta blast this. I have 14 hours left in the car. I mean a why would I want to- But before I get ahead of myself, let's rewind. The call came on January 12th, 2015. My mom asked if I was alone. I was. She asked me, can you go grab someone? I mean, Mom, there are people upstairs. What what's going on? I asked her. Well, your father's dead. Okay, I said, okay? Yeah, I didn't know him at all. It's really fine. All right, I'm expecting mail at the house. Did you get it yet? No, we don't, we don't have anything. Mom was worried. When I hung up the phone, I immediately went upstairs and grabbed one of my friends. And as I opened my mouth to say the words out loud to him, My stomach started sinking, and the thoughts, the thoughts just, my dad is dead. I won't ever know him. All of those questions I had, they're going to be unanswered. I felt the door slam shut, and I couldn't say the words out loud. I just, I cried. I cried more, and I cried with my friend for at least an hour. The only thing I remember saying out loud was, it's like the ultimate form of abandonment, you know? Who does that? I went back to my friend's marathon and tried to push it out of my head. But all of the questions I had over the past 20 years kept popping up. Why did he leave? Why didn't he ever check in? Why didn't he fight harder for me and my brother? For 20 years, I ignored the door to a relationship with my father. When that phone call came, I thought that door was sealed shut. I was wrong. Hi, I'm Sam Sabin, and welcome to the first episode of Good Grief, a show about reconnecting with the past and my attempts to make up for lost time. Uh, I'm recording this because um, this is my last full night in my apartment. We're going to do the interview process tomorrow with my mom or on Saturday or Sunday or Monday. There are a lot of days when I'll be home. And I'm really anxious because it just feels like the minute I move from this apartment is the minute I start this podcast and I start asking a lot of questions that I've been wanting to ask for like, I think it's five years, 2116, yeah, five years. My parents split when I was five years old, and my family went two different ways. My brother and I went with our mom, and our father went back to the wife and three kids he almost left to be with my mom. I saw him once around my 10th birthday, and only heard from him once more after that. But questions always lingered. What part of me reminds mom of him? And why did he leave and never look back? Going to my mom with these questions never seemed like an option. Even in phone calls with her a year after his death, the anger still lingers.
1: Like, literally what I told you is what I was told, and that's all I know.
0: Okay, but I just need you to tell me it again. (laughs) Oh my God. I've always felt my mom's anger. It's subtle. It's the kind that's filled with tension and resentment. She doesn't like to talk about him. The minute he walked out of the family, it was like he was dead to us, and mom would only refer to him as a sperm donor dad.
1: All right, so I was told that his dad supposedly died at 55, and mom couldn't take care of the two kids, so they wound up in foster care, and then the Stevens adopted him because they had a son who died, and they were looking for a boy about his age.
0: And was he a single, like he was an only child?
1: He's got a brother.
0: Okay, okay. I said
1: boys, didn't I? I said boys.
0: Yes, yes, I'm clarifying. The family resentment made it impossible to ask questions. So naturally, I knew little definitively about him. I knew he was a father to three other sons who didn't even know I existed. I knew he was adopted and went through foster care. And I knew he was half Native American, but it wasn't clear what tribe he belonged to because of his adoption. With the yelling, I'm gonna make, need you to take it down a few notches.
1: Oh my god.
0: This is yeah, not, he has a brother. <laughs> oh my it's god. Now. This went from a very nice conversation to a very hostile conversation. <laughs> and navigating the ambiguity got messy fast. When I told people I was a quarter native People would follow up, naturally, with, oh wow, that's really interesting, what tribe? And I would mutter a random word under my breath and run away as fast as I could so I could avoid explaining my family dynamic. It is 7.37 p.m. We are in Pennsylvania. Fuck yeah! Ayo, 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 ayo. Still like an hour left to drive, but that's okay because it's the final state. Ayo, ayo, ayo. After my mom got married and had a third kid, family outings became a challenge. My brother and I would walk into a restaurant with our brown hair and brown eyes, with the rest of our mostly blonde hair, blue eye family, and get stared down. I would lock eyes with the family who was already eating dinner and think, I promise I'm their kid. I promise I wasn't adopted or kidnapped or whatever else you might be thinking. But in the weeks following my father's passing, I found some of the answers to my questions simply by reading his obituary in the local paper. Robert, Bob, Joseph Savin, age 55, passed suddenly Saturday, January 10th, 2015, while mountain biking with friends. He was born February 8th in Syracuse, New York, and relocated to Ridgewood, New Jersey. Bob was a member of the St. Regis Mohawk Native American tribe. And suddenly, that door didn't feel so closed soon after his death i included that exact phrasing from his obituary in an essay for creative writing class my professor read it and told me i was welcome to talk to her at any time about her research she had just finished writing a book about the same mohawk tribe and she knew some people i could talk to the door opened ever more slightly and I started to feel my curiosity into this missing piece of my identity trump the anger. I didn't take her up on that offer until a year later. And the summer after I graduated from college in 2016, I set out to find the people who make up my family tree because, well, that felt like the only option I had to connect with my father. That's what you've been hearing. I'm on the way from Carborough, North Carolina to a pit stop in Pittsburgh for the night the first stop in a two-day trip to Aquasesney, New York, where the St. Regis Mohawk Reservation is. The plan is to spend two weeks there. Oh, there's a Taco Bell. Oh no, nope. We're at Wendy's. We're at Wendy's. Hi. Can I just get the uh, Junior Bacon Cheeseburger, four for four, please? Hey, Theo. Um, no, that should do it. Four twenty-four. Okay, thank you. Oh, it's six cents cheaper in Pennsylvania. For the four for four. But before I set out to casually track down a long lost family history, I talked with the one person in my family who is willing to talk about this with me.
1: You heard me? Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. now we're done? <laughs> now we're,
0: yeah, that's the interview. We did it. <laughs> now we're done, okay.
1: That's my grandma,
0: or my mom's mom. It's Memorial Day weekend, and we're at a chain shop called McAllister's Deli in Charlotte, North Carolina where she lives now and where I grew up. Like, I
1: didn't know a lot about him. I know he was adopted, and I, oh, I think he had said he lived in about nine or ten foster homes before he was adopted by this couple in uh, Ridgewood.
0: All my life, what I knew of my biological father was this. He was a man, had a few other children, and uh, he worked
1: in sales.
0: And for the most part, my grandma confirmed that, with a few caveats.
1: I mean, you've seen pictures of him, right? I he, feel like Dylan was, looks more like dad. I think I you look more. I think you do.
0: Really? Yeah, I do. Interesting. Yeah, I do. I feel like I look like mom.
1: No, I don't see, I don't see you looking like mom at all.
0: I had always thought I looked like my mom. Never did I consider my father's influence beyond skin and hair color. You know, the things I was always reminded of in grade school, when people would ask, why are you in Spanish class anyway? Aren't you Hispanic? I think you look like a mom. I think I look partially like mom. Really? Yeah. We no. all have the same nose. Yeah, the same nose. <laughs> I have the same eyes? The same eyes. <laughs> I see it more in Dylan. Maybe I'm just looking really? at eyes. <laughs> really? Yeah. I left McAllister's, and every time I looked at myself in the mirror, I could see what he left behind. My eyes squint in a similar way. My nose might actually be his and not my mom's. Well, besides
1: the fact he was very handsome. Okay. <laughs> he, me and I, I call a spade a spade, you know me. He's probably one of the most handsome men I've ever seen, actually. When I, when I look at you, I can see where you look like him. Shit, he's like, I don't <laughs> think I want to look like him. I
0: know. <laughs> Not exactly someone I <laughs> Yeah. The idea that I looked like him, that was the last thing I was expecting to hear in this conversation. Did he ever take family photos? I've never seen a picture of me.
1: I think. I don't think he is. I don't think he wanted. Maybe he felt weird like having this picture taken with you all. I couldn't shake
0: what my grandma said that Memorial Day weekend, even during the drive back home afterwards. I don't know, I always found, I find that interesting. Um, And now I'm starting to see what she's mentioning when I look at photos of myself compared to my brother, compared to my mom, compared to my little sister who definitely looks like my mom. Um, She also looks a lot like my dad. Maybe I'm just really bad at guessing. It's not that I didn't try to have this conversation with my mom, too. That visit home over Memorial Day weekend, I had planned to do it. I did, like, um, I dad was out of town um, for a good chunk of my visit. Oh, and, and by dad, I mean my stepdad, not my father. But I've always called my stepdad my dad. I don't know. Everything is getting very confusing. And I had like an entire night where I probably could have asked my mom questions or just like tried to have a, t- like a talk with her about this and I just like I don't know if I chickened out or if it just didn't feel right. Because um, I, I can tell that she's been on edge about it. We just don't even mention that I'm doing a podcast. We just don't even mention that, like, um, I'm going on this trip. Um, so I don't. Now I'm a little worried about this. Um, I don't know how to contact his family, or even if I should. I don't know how to like go about this right now. I left for my trip to Aquasesni on Father's Day that wasn't planned. Oh my god, you fucking AT-wheeler! Keep your rainwater to yourself, oh my god! But as I broke open that door, what kept running through my mind was something Grandma said at McAllister. how do you
1: know what, is, what was said in the obituary? How do you know if that's true? Mm. It says he's a member. But how do you know?
0: How did I know? Truth is, I didn't know, but I was going to find out. You are on the fastest route. You will arrive at 7.30 p.m. Damn. Good Grief is an independent production by me, Sam Sabin. This pilot episode was produced and edited at Duke Center for Documentary Studies 2016 Making It Sing Audio Institute. Theme music by Indian Wells, other music in this episode by Poddington Bear and the Plastic Jazz Orchestra. This podcast is funded partially by the UNC Creative Writing Program and the Bulch family. Special thanks to my family for letting me record them and my friends for putting up with my anxieties and being my greatest editors and also to two of my professors from UNC, Stephanie elizondo grice and joy goodwin for helping me flesh out this idea on the next episode
1: all right you're listening to what's the name here at ckon 97.3 i'm going to take a little short pause for the cause and we're going to listen to a roger miller tone called chug
0: i arrive at aqua Cesney and we delve even further into my family tree If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe. Like, oh my God, please subscribe. New episodes are released every first Monday of the month with bonus content released every two weeks. You can find Good Grief on iTunes and wherever else you listen to podcasts. You can also find this podcast and more episode extras at goodgriefpodcast.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow the show on Twitter. Seriously, just search Good Grief Podcast. I promise it will show up.